Hello, ho, ho, and welcome to this end of year episode of the Boss Podcast. I am Kirk Bailey and it is the week before Christmas and as many of us start to tie up the loose ends and set up those out of offices before we close our laptops, here at Boss we have one final talk to share with you before you hit shutdown. Business of Software podcast, sharing sessions from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. Find out more at businessofsoftware.org. How do you understand and conquer the challenges of scaling sales teams rapidly with a focus on getting new hires up and running quickly and effectively? In this talk, Paul Kenny shares some of the important lessons he's learned as he helped software companies to recruit, develop and manage their sales teams. Happy listening. I am acutely aware that I am uh, standing on this stage and some of your minds now might be moving to the journey home or to a cold beer. Um, One or two of you have set your sat-navs already (laughs) as we... uh, (laughs) as we worked out. Um, so um, I am going to move at pace. I'm going to talk quite quickly. Um, I'm going to jump about a lot in this, um, in this uh, presentation. And I'm going to um, try my best to give you a flavor of some tactical stuff you can do to onboard your sales teams more effectively. Now, for those of you I haven't met and had a chance to talk to, um, for the last 25 years, that's what I've done. I, I have been a sales manager, a commercial publisher, which is the guy who's responsible for the sales and sponsorship of, in uh, magazines and early websites. Um, I um, set up my first training company largely out of pure frustration at not being able to get the development for the sales staff who worked um, for me. Um, And we were lucky enough to sell that company. And when I got out the other side, I made a a decision to only uh, ever run a small company again, because we'd grown and I've been sort of sitting here listening to these presentations for the last two days, kind of going, oh yeah, did that, messed that up, screwed that. Worst manager ever, yeah, that was me. Um, and, um, and so I run, a small, I run a really small company now, but the reason I did that was because I said, I only, A, I want to work from home, because I had, I had a young family at the time when I did the second thing. And, um, I, I, and secondly, I only want to work with people who grab my interest. And one of the very first companies that really grabbed my interest um, was Redgate Software here in in, um, Cambridge, or Redgate as they are are now. And and, uh, Neil Davidson asked me um, to come and talk at my first boss, which was 2008. And um, I clearly remember it being an amazing speaker lineup. In fact, when I looked at the lineup, I said to Neil, um, as we were planning to leave the UK, I said, I am overwhelmed that you've asked me to be part of this, this conference. Seth Godin is there, um, uh, 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 Noam Wasserman, Harvard Business um, uh, 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 Professor um, is there, Joel Spolsky was there. You know, I looked at this list and I said, that is an amazing list. And, and in typical Neil fashion, he said, well, Paul, you are the only sales trainer that I know. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, 
But I got there, and in 2008, if you can cast your mind back, for those of you who, who were in the industry in those days, um, this was a time when, you know, um, Dharmesh Shah was on the list, and Dharmesh was really pushing hard to get inbound as a thing. We take it for granted now, but he was pushing hard to get us all to use the word inbound and the strategy um, in, that, in that way. And Seth had um, just published Purple Cow, and he was trying to say, you know, actually, your marketing is your sales. Um, and um, quite a lot of people were being very rude at that conference about salespeople. Um, I, I clearly remember a guy called Steve Johnson, he's a brilliant product a guy, making some quite rude jokes about um, salespeople. Um, and made all the worse by the fact that he was very charming, they were very funny, and he, and he wasn't really wrong either um, in some of the stuff that he was uh, saying. And I always remember Joel Spolky saying to me, Paul, you know, sales, it's easy. You know, he says, you can increase sales really easily, anytime. Um, I said, well, go on, Joel, how do you do that? He goes, oh, you just released the next version. And, uh, and again, he's not wrong. But since 2008, I felt it is my job to kind of defend the salespeople in the software industry and to shout, um, shout out for them and talk them up and talk to founders about falling in love with your inner salesperson because alongside the monkey is a salesperson who wants to get out. Um, and you see it in founders who say, I'm not a salesperson. What they do is they then have a couple of beers at a conference like this and they spend the next 15 minutes superbly eloquently pitching their business um, to each other and you say, you're not a, you're not a, um, a salesperson. So, um, yesterday... Um, I was struck by the number, uh, uh, there were two, two comments, different speakers, very successful software founders, um, Poppy and, and John, both of whom told the same story of, we hired the experienced person, they didn't work out, we hired the young person who was super keen, a bit of a maverick, they really worked um, out, and... There is, I totally get why that is. For, for me, that's a brilliant business model, because if you've trained salespeople for a living, then hiring young, inexperienced people um, is, is brilliant, and I would encourage you all to do it. Um, you know, um, but the, 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 the thing that, that um, kind of struck me about that is, is that, is that um, we all have these kind of, challenges that we face in, in sales, whether you're a, a startup. I've had some people talk to me today about, um, well, do we need a sales team? How do I know that we're at the stage where we need to hire a salesperson or I need to put more effort or resource into that? Um, some people have come up and said, well, the big issue for us now is how we hold on to our sales talent. Some people said to me um, yesterday, um, our biggest issue um, is directing our sales talent to sell in a way that's sympathetic or aligned with our um, values that puts us in the right place um, in the market. So before we dig into um, the rest of my presentation, I'm going to ask you to help me out here because I'm going to have to get you involved, um, otherwise I know I'm going to lose you. So um, I want you to grab your notebooks for me 
Um, and I want you to just jot down, I'm going to give you 20 seconds, 30 seconds to do this, two, oh, two three, four, five sales ca capability challenges that you may face in your business. Now, you may face them directly because you're involved in sales. Um, you may have staff who face these. Um, you may not be in sales, but you think, I know this is something that our company um, faces. And when I say sales capability challenge, what I mean is something where... The, where we, we, we hit a problem because of, uh, that we find in the conversations we're having with our customers. Um, something where, you know, it might be we're not talking to enough um, of the right sorts of people, or we're struggling to get conversations with senior enough people, or we're saying that we're not asking enough questions, or we're struggling to get relationships. I don't care what it is, but take 30 seconds and jot those down, because we'll need them later in the, um, in the, in the talk. And if while you're there, you want another dad joke. Yeah, you want another dad joke? All right. Sorry, while you're, while you're writing these down. Um, I went to Poundland the other day, and I bought a thesaurus. Not only was it terrible, it was terrible. <laughs> OK, have you got your challenges written down? So let's dig it. Let's, let's dig in. The aim of my, my talk here is really just to say that much like a dog is not just for Christmas, if you are going to adopt this strategy of hiring um, smart young people and calling them a sales team, or taking your best support people and giving them sales responsibility, or taking some of your more eloquent engineers and calling them sales developers or sales engineers. If you're going to do that, um, then you really, really must take care of them and you really must develop them. One of the reasons that people, um, that, that sales gets a bad reputation is usually because the salespeople are not developed enough. Now, we have a whole range of, of um, company sizes represented um, here. If you're thinking at this moment, well, we may be too small for this conversation, um, Paul, you're not, because this is the time when you really should be thinking about what type of sales organization um, you, want, um, you want to be. So let's, um, let's set some, some rules, if you like, or some, some objectives for the day, um, for the session. I would like to spend a little bit of my time just highlighting um, the challenges that uh, you have to deal with if you're going to onboard, particularly if you're scaling, um, an effective um, sales team. There is just some cultural challenges that people run into. Um, I want to give you a minimum viable sales plan. I want you to have a checklist of this is the stuff you should get people through if you're talking about um, uh, uh, very junior salespeople in the first couple of months that they're wi uh, with you, if you're talking about more experienced people in the first six months um, that they're uh, with you, and I want to try and give you a couple of um, really tactical, quick and dirty how to develop salespeople on the hoof um, uh, uh, exercises that you can go and experiment with when you get back to, um, the, uh, when you get back to the office. So, let's, let's cover a couple of everyday truths about, um, about developing um, salespeople. And this is the first one. 
sales is not a thing. It's just an umbrella term. I've said this in about half a dozen of my presentations, but I'm going to keep driving it um, home. Too many people use too generic language um, to discuss the sales challenges that they, um, they face. You may have salespeople who are just, if you break the job roles down, um, that you may have people who are just there to serve. Now, they may be people who are more support than sales, but their job is just to usher the sale through. And it may be very light touch. It may just be a, a, an email or two or, or, or a quick call or a, a, a pick up an answer. And, and their job may be, to, may be only to, to serve, but there's a model for excellence at that end of the spectrum. Their job may be to nudge people and when I say a, a, a great nudge salespeople are the ones who, where you, 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 ring, you, you, know, you get a, an inquiry and, and somebody says, well, I want this piece of software, and they'll go, oh, right, well, how many licenses or do you need, or how many seats do you want, or how many, you know, and then suddenly the person just gets a nudge. It's not a hard sell. It's just a nudge that goes, well, actually, there's three people who might use this tool. So you push them that way, or you add a plug-in, or you add an extra, um, you, you add an extra service. Um, some people have been there to educate. I think the, um, what I learned um, from seeing Jeff Twilio all those years ago was that a big part of the Twilio cell for a long time was sending developers out there to talk to developers. Um, and um, they didn't call them salespeople, but there's no doubt that that's what they were doing. Um, and so some sales jobs are more about pitching and persuading. And then right the way up to you get people who, who handle these big enterprise um, tasks. So if I can give you one um, kind of takeaway from the first bit of this, is like, let's stop generalizing what salespeople are. It's a tremendous waste of everybody's um, time. Let's try and find more creative ways to describe the role of the, um, the, sales, the salesperson. So I've got another, ch another bit of a challenge for you now, and, and this is more of a... Um, a quick brain, a brainstorm. If we've got all these different types of roles and you're serious about developing sales capability in your business, have a think about, well, what type of selling do we want to be really good at? So um, you're going to put an ad um, online somewhere. Um, and because we're only hiring good-looking, white, male, young, um, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, models um, to work in our, 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 our sales um, team. We put a picture on there and we said, okay, salesperson wanted. And in all seriousness, um, must be what? I'm going to give you a challenge. I want you to talk to some people in the audience. Put your head around, talk around, and come up with, so in little groups, three or four of your top things that you would look for if you were going to um, bring in and onboard a sale, the salespeople, ignore our stereotype um, on the, the picture. They must be what? Think about what you're looking for in the salespeople. I'll give you 30 seconds. Talk to each other. Get into little groups. Agree. What would you like your salesperson to be?
I'll give you five more seconds. Okay. All right. Have you got a list of what you're looking for in this salesperson? And remember, you can't have everything, but you, you've, got a, you've got a list. Okay. On your list, let's play a kind of reverse bingo. Um, on your list, can you find any of these things? Does anybody get first one to full house? Yeah, we've got all we've got R five on there. I desperately wanted to put Mensch in the middle of there. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Did we all get a bunch of these or something similar yeah. in here? Okay. Now, here's the problem. If you're looking to develop salespeople, well, let, let me demonstrate. Uh, let me demonstrate um, the, 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 the problem. Um, so, I'm going to pick on Greg over, over there. So, Greg, because he's fresh-faced and young and keen and whatever, and he's come to join our business, and he's had a couple of months in sales, and Greg is now at 90% of his target, but he's missed his target this, this time. And he sits down, and he goes, I'm really disappointed. And because we're into, you know, candor, we say, we're pretty disappointed too, um, Greg. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and I say, so what I need you to be next month to get to your 100% is I need you to be persuasive, passionate, more patient, opportunity, opportunistic, and more motivated. Is that okay? Okay. Now, how much help is that to anybody? How much help is that to, to any person it's to say, see, what these things are are actually not criteria of effective salespeople. What these are are attitudes. And an attitude is simply a tag that we give, the observer gives, to a bunch of behaviors. You know? um, so one of the things I would encourage you to do, particularly if you are scaling up your sales team, is to think really, really carefully about what you mean by these terms. I have no problem with you starting out because actually you write these things down because you think, well, I do want somebody who's super passionate about the product and is super tech savvy. And, but you've got to then say, so what does that actually mean? What does that mean when this person, when young Greg over here is talking to my customers? And what does it mean in terms of frequency and and reliability and consistency. And so, actually, if you put trustworthy down, because we'll pick up on our theme um, from earlier, in a sales capacity, actually, you know, everybody claims to be trustworthy or whatever. You, you, actually, what does trustworthy mean in a sales capacity? It means that your customers can trust that they will only share information with them that is relevant um, and truthful. Your customers can believe um, them because they always do their homework before they give them a call. So they prepare um, really well. Trustworthy might be an internal thing. Um, I will not game the system. 
um, and push sales through that are not you know, genuine sales where genuine value is, um, is, is delivered. So actually, you start to get to something that's a bit more interesting. My big favorite, the, dad, the granddaddy of all of these things, um, is a communicator. I mean, I don't know whether I'm allowed to swear, but what the fuck is that? Yeah? Oh, what, what the hell does that mean? When somebody must be a good communicator. Um, it just covers so much. Well, does that mean they've got to be a great questioner, a great listener? Um, if it means a great questioner, what does that mean? You know, because actually the behavior you're looking for is somebody who can engage a conversation at a very light social level to begin with, um, can dig a little deeper, um, can ask questions that are technically relevant, um, that understands where the boundaries are at each stage of the call, how much they can um, naturally ask, that reflects back the things that people are saying to them so they prove that they're listening. So you get this idea that there's a lot more to um, sales. And this is our big, this is our big um, challenge. So you must work on developing what you truly mean when you say you want to develop your sales group. What skills are you truly trying to develop? You've got to develop a more nuanced language. Now, there is a, um, there's a couple of docs which I will leave with Mark um, when I uh, leave the presentation where we have some very generic descriptors that we use as a starting point. And I'll, I'm not going to go through them in this presentation. We haven't got the time. But I will gladly share them with anybody who, um, who, who wants them. So think really carefully about that. Um, the next big problem is that selling is a human process. Okay, well, that's kind of obvious. But what I mean by this is that the success of most salespeople, to some degree, and only a small degree or, or, or part degree, can be, um, can be broken down into clear steps. So a lot of people in my profession come along and they say, we have got a shiny new sales process, which if you pay me a gazillion dollars, I will share with your sales team. Um, and they will sell more software what, you know, for, uh, for you. Um, and um, and that, that methodology um, is always broadly the same. It's, it's often new tags on the, the, same, um, the, the same process. But it's always based on the idea that we take best practice, um, we can, we can uh, determine a trajectory for the sale. We can tell the salesperson what to do at the opening, at the discovery, at the um, pitch, um, in the negotiation, and they will sell more. And they will sell more stuff. And they are, and they all work. They're like diets. They all work for some people, right? Um, but a big part of our success is also driven by the human side of us, the idiosyncratic um, side. So if you're hiring people to advocate your product in the market, to talk to your customers, to spend time with them, you've also got to know that they are really prone to moods. That, um, the, that they are, it's very difficult to maintain a pattern of, uh, a consistent pattern of performance um, over time. Um, it's, a tough, it's a tough challenge to do. So if you're setting up a, a, a development system, You've got to think not only about the skills that you want, but you've also got to think about the environment in which you want to um, develop them. I'll, go, I'll speak more to that um, in just a little while. Because when somebody does a great call, or a great demo, or a brilliant negotiation, they hit this kind of sweet spot, which is um, they apply great skills. 
And all those shiny new things that I was telling you about, they always break down on the skills front too. What, what do great salespeople do? Well, they're good at finding an opportunity. They're good at engaging, find, getting somebody to open up to them and talk to them. Um, they're good at the discovery process, understanding the pain, finding the need, digging into, um, digging into that. Um, they can demonstrate value, which goes to Rich's um, uh, presentation um, from earlier. They know what to do when doubt creeps in. They can manage the resistance. Um, and they can do the deal-making, the negotiation stuff. And that's all really, that's all, um, really brilliant. But there's a sweet spot where they can do that because they're drawing on brilliant knowledge. They're drawing on brilliant case studies that you've put um, together. They've got, a, they've got 100 stories that they can tell about customers using the product or the journey they've um, been on. And they can only do that if actually they believe in things like, well, number one, themselves, but also whether they believe in you as a business, which goes to everything that Gareth was talking about, Claire was talking about, the guys yesterday were talking about, is whether they align themselves with the business, whether they think that what they're selling makes a difference um, in some meaningful um, way. Um, and so if you're going to develop people, you've got to dig in, you've got to dig in deep and you've got to make a commitment uh, for it. You cannot put your hand on your heart and say, we develop salespeople when, you, when you're recruiting phase because you send them on a couple of courses a year. And I say that as somebody who's happy to run a couple of courses a year <laughs> for people. But as I said, the, the longer I go on, the longer I go on in this industry, actually I think you know, the very best training, the very best development that people take on in sales is not actually on the courses. It's always um, from the founders. It's from the, man, the sales director, the managers. Um, you know, that's where the real, and, and very often from colleagues. That's where the real learning um, happens. So if we want to scale things, we have to, we have to pick up on, pick, 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 dig into that. Um, I also never want you to underestimate how absolutely knackering it is selling all the time. Um, for those of you who are salespeople, you know exactly where I am. You know that if you get on the phone um, because you've been out at an event for a, few day, for a few days and you've met 100 people at an event and then you come back and you've got to send them all an email to say how great it was for me and then you've got to pick up and the phone and talk to all the people you said you would, um, you said you would talk to. If you do f even 10, 15, 20 calls, you are absolutely dead. You know, um, you, are, you, are, um, you are drained. So never underestimate the kind of level of ego depletion that goes on um, with people, which is why I will always encourage you to, to do lots of little bits of training and development with people rather than big chunks um, of it. Because what it allows you to do is to tackle the, is to give people lots of little rest, recovery periods for particularly your busiest um, times. We have to get onto this issue of do we hire the experienced person or do we hire the, 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 the new person. I've got to be honest with you. Um, I, I always, I, I, I came through a, a, a recruitment system when I started selling 25 years ago, 26 years ago, that did just that, recruited straight out of college, hired us, paid us no money, um, you know, trained us like hell, gave us free beer, um, and, um, and just got us to, um, to, to, to work like Sting on the basis that the, what we would learn would, would transport us into, into our careers. But um, we have a challenge because 
actually, it's not always the smart thing to do to hire the young, keen person because there comes a price with that. And the price is that that person needs to be nurtured and they need to be directed and they need to be managed well um, and they need to feel like they're on a journey. Um, and um, usually what you may get from a, 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 an older head is if you've got a remote role, for instance, you may need an older head, somebody who knows how to um, organize their day and stay motivated and make their meetings and those sorts of things. But I never, ever assume that just because somebody's older than me, oh, there's, there's not many of them left who are, um, but you know, someone who's older than me um, is, is necessarily better because there is this thing of have you got 10 years experience or have you done the same thing 10 times over for, for 10 years? And that's a huge world of difference. So almost, I guess what I'm saying is put this to one side because it's actually a red herring. What matters is people's current um, experience, who they're talking to, how they're selling, what they've learned, what their ambitions are. Um, and I know plenty of people who are older and do really well uh, for that reason. I know plenty um, of people who are overlooked because they're too young and then they go on to work for somebody else and have stellar um, careers. So um, just let's not, let's not fall into that trap um, too much. Um, a question I get asked as we talk about defining sales roles is should we be a full stack business where we give somebody a vertical or a, a, a region and off they go and they start with small sales and they build them into accounts and then they take those accounts and they build them into big strategic uh, partnerships or do we do an Aaron Ross and do we go um, predictable revenue um, and do we break the role down and do we say that that there are some people who will only ever be good at, at doing telesales. Um, some people will only be, ever be good at doing the email marketing. Um, some people, um, really what you want to do is just give them appointments and let them thrive with those, uh, those appointments. And to be honest, I don't really care. I've seen no evidence that suggests that one is better than another, except in as much as people have designed the system around their own their own uh, needs. I've almost seen nobody who is either entirely predictable revenue or entirely um, full stack. For instance, um, I know plenty of people who got very excited about the predictable revenue uh, model and they set it up and then what happens is you've got some people here who are outbound and they're super motivated and then after a year or so the outbound people they've got all these great leads and they're really good at it and they're going oh hang on I want to I want to close this deal so you don't mind if I just hold on to a few of these things and so they start being outbound and account executives and then you get some account executives who join from other other uh, companies and they start saying things like yeah but you know I'm pretty well known in this sector that I work in so I'd rather do my own outbound and then the whole thing becomes a big mushy uh, mess so uh, all I would say to you is look beyond the model if make one of them work for you fine you've got to decide on the size of the business you are the size of the deals you're doing and a whole host of things that would be a whole other presentation in their own right but have a think about not what model we're using, but what skills we need to develop um, un, uh, under that um, role. Now, um, it's really important that you see whether you've got full stack people. You can have somebody who's an outbound person who works for you for three years and only hits the phone and only sets things going. But in that three years, they will go through a transition. 
And um, back in medieval days, I don't I think it was coming to Cambridge made me think medieval. Um, but uh, the, <laughs> the um, yeah, a bit of a history geek, so it's, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, the old guilds used to have this thing where you would take somebody on as an apprentice, and after somewhere between eight and ten years, you might get journeyman status, you can do the job, and then somewhere after another ten years, um, you would set your own business up as a carpenter or a cooper or whatever, and you would be considered um, a master. If, they, if some of these guys had been around now, they would be the ones who do those YouTube videos that you can waste tons of time on, you know, as they're doing their pottery and whatever. And, you know, they, they, they do it at a hypnotic level. Well, in sales, regardless of whether you're full stack or, or um, predictable revenue, actually, you should know that there's a similar trajectory. That there's a trajectory. And when you, if you're going to hire somebody new and maverick, You've got to understand that it's your responsibility to take them through this, um, this, this journey, if you like. If you're not prepared to take on that responsibility, hire somebody who's more experienced, more self-driving, more, more self-contained. Uh, um, um, but if you are going to, to, to bring in new talent, and there's a ton of reasons why you should, um, know that you've got to invest some time in moving them through these phases. And at the building phase, all we want to know, all we want to do is to get somebody who feels comfortable to talk about our product and who feels aligned with what we, we do. Lots of people crush their sales talent by hammering them with the wrong targets too early. I'll explain in just a, a moment. Um, and then people scale. They start to find that actually they can do some stuff um, and they can... Um, they can uh, do some of the early sales, and they can talk to customers. Um, and so actually, they start to make progress, but you may not see fantastic results from them because they're starting from cold. Um, and even if they come in where they've been given a load of leads, um, it still takes time to develop a relationship. It still takes time to find a tone. It takes time for a customer to accept you as, as credible. So we call that the scaling period. And then there's a delivering period where hopefully, people can be left to their own devices um, a great deal, where we can, we can drive them by targets and training and creating a good atmosphere for them to um, work in. And occasionally, you'll find people who do reach mastery. And they're the ones who you're in a meeting. If you've ever been sold to someone who's that good, you're in a meeting with them. You find that you really like them. You find that you're sort of worrying about a whole bunch of things you didn't worry about before. Um, you can't, you're, you're really grateful that you've got a sense of, um, of uh, a solution to this thing that you never worried about um, before. Um, and you want, and you off to buy them lunch afterwards because it's been such a great, um, uh, such a great experience for you. Um, so um, I'm sort of creating a cartoon of, of that mastery level, as you've probably worked out. But the truth is, um, uh, only a small percentage of your staff will ever reach that level. Our job is to bring them through this, this job. So if you, if you want to scale quickly, and you want to go for young talent, and you want to drive them, then you've got to think about what you um, do. And this starts with um, building a really solid foundation. Now, I'm not going to take you through everything in, in this because there's a lot, there's a lot um, to it, but I want to give you a flavor um, of this. So it starts with what does a salesperson, a new salesperson, 
actually want from you in order to be able to fulfill your, your expectations? Because that's the only question that is going through their mind. They've joined your company. Um, they're super keen to start. They are impressed by the swag and the nice letter and you know, all of that. So that they, they genuinely are impressed by all of that. But that's entry ticket stuff. The moment they sit down, they're thinking, right, what do you want from me? And what have I got to do to succeed? Well, usually, what have I do to not get fired? is their first um, thought. And then what have I got to do to do a bit better than that? And then how do I fit in here? Um, and they've got all these worries um, that are, are, are going through. And there's a kind of minimum viable um, uh, kind of course list that um, I try and encourage people to do. Now, I call it a course list. It doesn't have to be courses. It can be run by you guys. Um, it can be run in small chunks. It can be run in coaching sessions. But it always looks like this. People need to know what the customer journey is into your company. Because the biggest fear new salespeople have is screwing it up. Getting a good lead and then either overselling it or, um, or, or failing to pass it on to a technical person at the right time or all of those sorts of things. So what they need is a, is a journey that says, okay, this is how we engage people in the early stage. This is the journey we take them through. This is where we direct them. This is, where, this is how um, we deal with technical queries. This is how we deal with money with them. And they need a, they need a sense of that. Now, only you can do that. And I would literally paint it out um, for them. They all need to know how to deliver an elevator pitch. Because you know, when somebody can deliver the elevator pitch for their company, they become really keen to go and talk about it to their friends. Um, to, um, to, they feel there's no problem with walking into a, an event like this. Because when somebody says, what do you do? Um, it, it, they feel much more comfortable if they've got the elevator pitch. They also, you can start to build their personal confidence by making sure that uh, under any circumstances, they've got one thing they can fall back on, which is, this is what we do and this is why it's great. And actually, all the stuff that Rich covered into where we add value, well, there's your elevator pitch. That's the exercise we need to do with them. Um, uh, Understanding how we contact people, whether it's through events, whether it's through email, whether it's through social media, whether it's telephone calls, traditional, you know, whether it's fixed appointments, you know, whatever it is, they've got to understand the process of that. They've got to understand what discovery means in your business and at the level they're at. If somebody is at the serve, nudge, you know, persuade end of that spectrum that I talked about earlier, discovery is really just about finding out what you want the product to do for you. If you're at the other end of the spectrum, discovery is about what are your scaling plans and how can our technology help you to do that? So it's a much more strategic conversation. And they're very different levels of, 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 of skill. So they need to know how to do at least some of, um, uh, of that. So they need to know how to win, the, win appointments, uh, uh, deliver a discovery call. They need to know your demo. And they don't need to be brilliant at it. They've just got to be good enough in the first few months. It's just going to be good enough so that they, they feel they will not be a fool. Because that's the biggest fear that drives most people that we, we, we talk to on our, our courses. And then there's other stuff that really helps. Stuff about the internal network. What happens when I reach this point and I need some technical assistance? Or what happens when I reach this point and I have to put a price on the thing that we're 
um, the, the service that we're um, offering. What do I do if somebody turns around and says, yeah, I, I know we were only talking about one license or one uh, a user, but actually we've got 30. How much discount will you give me um, for that? You know, if they, if they run, what to do if they run into savvy buyers? And then there's all this stuff around how do you tell great stories um, about the product? How do you make it persuasive? Um, what do you do when you, run, when you, when you hit um, resistance um, in there? So um, I will gladly share with you um, all you've got to do is drop me an email. I'll gladly share with you outlines, and I'll explain why I'm going to do this um, at the end. Um, but if you haven't got um, an internal induction course that, look, that covers most of these things, you're actually setting your salespeople up to fail. And that's just not fair. So to give you a sense, this is just something I pulled from a... a, a a, doc, a, a job that we've done a couple of months ago. But to give you a sense for developing an SDR and how it, how it works, you can see that we've just, with an SDR, so this is a, a company that runs largely a predictable revenue um, model. So this is the, the SDR is the person who identifies the opportunity and who tries to get the appointment, if you like. Um, what we did in the first month, with, we, we, said, we said that... Um, while they're building, actually, we don't want to worry about teaching them a load of selling. We just want them to get really comfortable with the product. Okay, here's my question, Sivas-style question uh, for you. What's the best way to, get, um, to teach new salespeople who may not be technical um, about your technical product? Yeah, get them to use it is number one, but there's an even better way, believe it or not. I'm only saying this because I always ask, when I, when I train internally for people, I ask, you know, how do you get to know the product? And we always end up having this, this, this conversation. Getting them to use it, and that is generally a really good answer. It's not always possible, given the scale of some of people's products, but getting them to use it. Getting them to teach someone else, yeah, sorry, at the back. Get them to work in customer support for a month. Put them in customer support for a month. Um, get them to sit with a customer. We've just had a client do this where, where they, they've had some, you know you have those kind of trusted customers, the people who've been with you forever. Um, they got their customers to do a video, a kind of Camtasia-style video of them using the product, just talking through why they use it and how they use it and what they deploy. Because most salespeople will not sit through a, here's a feature, here's what it's for, here's, you know, but they will put it into a, into a hole and that says, W-H-O-L, into a holistic, um, they will put it into a hole that says, that says, okay, I can see how this works for people. Because at the end of the day, they may not know, need to know the nuts and bolts. What they need to know most of all is, is, the, is, the, is how the customers use it. But better still, even that, you get people um, not only seeing how the customers use it, but you give them a flavor of happy customers. So that when they go on the phone or when they go out to meet people, that's the picture they've got in their mind. And remember when I said it's about attitude and mindset as much as it is about um, skill. So you can see here that what we do is we really focus on the what, first of all, the, the product, et cetera. And the, the, the thing in the middle is that, that how we measure stuff. And we said that all we measure in the first month is what people have learned. We don't measure how much they've sold, how many new doors they've opened, um, how many accounts they've found. We just measure 
what they've learned. So we set up a bunch of tests. Can they pitch the, do the elevator pitch to a high standard? Can they talk through four customer stories? Um, can they explain the, um, why the, the primary motivations for customers buying um, the product? Those, those sorts of um, things. And so that's what we, tra we train them on. As they move in, we start to then do more of the sales training um, that, that, um, that uh, they'll, they, they will need. But once they're scaling, you see, what the, the actual job changes. They actually then have to start opening doors. They have to start selling. Um, the idea of talking to us as a, 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 as a, is, their, is their initial um, aim. Um, and um, we've got to start teaching them about you know, not wasting your time on people who are not interested. So proper qualification on closing or getting agreement to see you and the techniques that are used um, there. And actually at that stage, after roughly two months with Nessia, I always say, again, don't set them a target, a hard target of cash, of money, but set them a target of where the pipeline should be and just focus on that. Because actually the one thing they can do is make another call send another batch of emails, follow something up. You know, they, everything is within their control. So if you say to them, you know, actually what I expect you to have done is to have spoken to 25, had effective calls, which means we've got through, um, we've established that there's a need, we've put a time scale on that, that, that need, um, and we've put them into the, the, the pipeline. And I expect you to have learned this about customers and have this type of information in the CRM. I want to know what their decision making, who's involved in the decision, and I want them to know some background on the company. And you get all of that sort of stuff. They end that second month feeling, flipping heck, I can actually do this job. So that by the time we move them into month three, what we're doing is we're actually saying, okay, now we're going to set you a sales target. But you're setting them a sales target with a pipeline that's already stuffed. And therefore, you're increasing their chances of winning. And it's really important that they get some wins early on. I'm not saying massage the target. You set the targets as you see fit. But it's, it's really important that they win some business and they feel good about that. Because that's the behavior. You, you need some behavior to reinforce. This is a kind of um, similar thing for an account executive, a more senior salesperson. I won't go into the detail of it. You can have copies of all of uh, this, but um, you'll see, you see how descriptive we are in the, in the, in the, the process. Um, and um, really what we're doing is we're looking at getting these people ramped up over four to six months because actually they are really selling from quite early on and they've, they've got to live with a real life cycle and the client may take whatever your life cycle is for your clients, they'll have to go through that, um, they'll have to go through that process. But if you haven't got something that looks a bit like this for your salespeople, you're probably letting them down. If you have, they will feel really well looked after. They'll feel, okay, I know where I'm going. I've got a sense of my trajectory. Okay, so um, I promise um, I will, if anybody ever wants to talk to me about populating this in more detail, things like that, I will gladly talk to you just as part of the boss um, follow-up. So do get um, in touch because I will never have time to cover this in the detail it deserves uh, today. But I want to leave you with a couple of things that will really help you 
in the very short term if you want to develop your, yourself. So um, the first of these things goes back to Claire's presentation, which was um, your weekly one-to-ones and doing them really well. And I am staggered by the number of salespeople who have a weekly meeting, but it's not a one-to-one. It's a, this was your target. You know, did you hit it or not? Okay, you need to hit it. You know, um, it's a more, it's a, yeah, which is great, you know, it's, it's, uh, you could, because you do. Um, but um, we always talk about, you know, it, when Claire said, prepare for the meeting, the really quick get out of jail card to prepare really quickly is just to ask three questions. What did you actually achieve this week? But nuance the question. So, yes, revenue we're interested in, but we're also interested in meetings. We're also interested in new contacts. We're also introducing, you know, I'm really happy if someone has worked really, really hard to get one meeting with one really difficult contact who might be hugely valuable um, rather than 20 others. So it's got to be in the context of your business plan, but you always say, what have you actually achieved this month? And that's just data. There's no discussion around that. It's just, that should be pre-populated before you sit down. The interesting conversation comes in, well, what did you do to produce this result? This question is super powerful. You ask a salesperson that and they'll go, well, actually, I had to make this many calls to get this many people to talk to me. Or I had to send, I had to attend this event to get um, to, get to this person who I really wanted um, to talk to. So get them, encourage them to talk through their method because they've all got one and you've got the experience to then pick out and guide whether that's um, useful. But at this stage, what we're after is insight into how they're working. And then go for action. And I, I totally agree with Claire earlier when, when she said, how can I help you? It's not a very empowering question. A much more empowering question is, what will you need to do next week to move things on? And then really have to think about it and put that down. And then say, you, it's perfectly say, what resource do you need? What help do you need? Um, who from? Who can get you there fastest in the company? And then they have to put their own plan together. If you did this every week with new salespeople, every couple of weeks or every month with more established salespeople, you develop a culture, not really of coaching, but of accountability that works two, way, that works two ways. Okay, so the final thing I'm going to give you to work with, because I'm aware I want to have just a little exercise. You know all those things I said write down earlier on, all those, those, those challenges? Just give me a couple of examples of what, what did you write down? What were your sales challenges? So, people don't understand what the hell I do. Right, yeah, people don't understand what I, what I do. Okay, there's an interesting, so, so the, the salesperson's challenge is, or your challenge if you're selling it, is that you ring up and they go, what? Okay, so what you do, if you want to do this um, as a management team, is you take something like that, you know, our proposition is super hard to articulate, okay? And what we do, and this is my, my dark secret consultancy, sales consultants trick, is sometimes people say, we just need to fix something really quickly. And so we take a behavior, it's really hard to express what we do, and we work on a little, a little matrix, and you can have a very, you can come up with as many uh, criteria as you like, um, but the matrix always says, well, okay, what quiz could we put in place that would force people to start thinking about what we actually um, do? So a quiz I, I, I did with um, uh, uh, a, a medical client of mine because they, they, 
they had a, it's an implant, but there's a lot of software attached to the implant. It was, it was very complex, and it was a very different way of doing this particular operation. And I still can't talk about it because of the NDA, but um, I'll get, you know, but it's very cool. So what we did was we put in a quiz. And the quiz was, how many different ways can we articulate the problem? You know, so um, and we went through a, a list of a, a, a list of uh, a list of those, and um, uh, and then so that's a kind of a quiz and a brainstorm. A real play is not role play because salespeople hate role play. Okay, nobody in 25 years of training salespeople has ever said, "Paul, thank you for the role plays." Uh, it's uh, uh, they like, but they, people do like real play. Let's take your real client, and let's sit down. And let's work out exactly what we're going to do. And let's, let's rehearse five different ways of addressing that um, issue. Um, let's take some casework. Let's go and find our 10 customers that we're already doing business with and get a two-minute video of them articulating what we do. And you can set it as a project for the salesperson to come back and present. Um, let's set up a debate about... Uh, um, about it. So you take the, the, the so what are the ten things um, that um, that are great about the what are the ten doubts that people have and set it up as a as an, a debate and argue it out in the room um, and then you can coach it through as well. Okay, what's your goal and then work it through. These are just this is just a really quick. I wanted to just add it into my presentation because salespeople need lots of quick effective, relevant to my immediate problem, training and coaching. And I'll just give you a couple more examples to, 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 to go through. Um, uh, let me, let me, let, let me uh, uh, pick one. Okay, so one of the things, uh, a little test we we had a, a client who said the sales team are flat. They're just kind of going through the scripts over and over again. They're saying the same old things. So what I did was a casework exercise with them. I, I got them to record all their, um, all their uh, uh, or a bunch of their calls. And I said, pick your best call, the one that you think is your best call. And they can, I said, and I want you to play it to each other. I'm not going to try and catch you out. I'm not going to tell you what's wrong with it. I'm not going to pick on you. I just want you to play me your best call. So the five of them came in with their very best call. And what, we, what we, they didn't know is that I'd gone through each of the calls beforehand, and I pulled out all the descriptive terms that they used for their, um, for their call. And they were all the standard sales bullshit cliches. They hear, we're number one in the market, turnkey solution, da da da, you know, all of this stuff that people call it. And I just made them put on the whiteboard. Every time, I want you to tell me what words you're using. And they put all the words on the whiteboard, and they all went, oh, God, yeah. And I said, right, now what we're going to do is we're going to repeat the exercise in this room, real play style, but you're not allowed to use any of these words. And it was the most awkward hour I've had with people <laughs> ever. Jesus, they made hard work of it, right? But what it did was it got over the point that they knew the product, they knew the customers, but what they'd done is they'd fallen into a familial pattern of selling. And to the customer, that just sounded like one of the 10 providers in the, in the marketplace. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you're serious about taking on and building and scaling a sales team, or even if you decide that you want to do it as a sales function, use your existing staff to do some reaching out to people, make sure that you've got a core training platform. It doesn't have to be loads of workshops. It can be 
five or six things that really matter. Pick them from our list. Um, and then make sure that you do that weekly coaching. And then be ready to step in with some short-term fun stuff that you can throw at people during their weekly sales meetings. And when you've got all three of these things, one of the things I learned many years ago, because my old business, we used to do attitude surveys, was that people's belief in their personal development, I, you say, you know, do you believe the company develops you and has your best interests at heart? And people will go, yes, no, maybe, whatever. And the thing that would boost the scores every time wasn't any one of these three things, but when they were all together, people felt developed. And when people felt, feel developed, they feel more likely to reach out that one more time. And that one more time can lead to one more deal. And that one more deal can lead to one more lifetime customer. And you know how that, and you know how that goes. We have done a whistle stop of development. But I'm going to ask you all a favor. The reason I wanted to do this is because um, sometime next year, I want to pull together like a Haynes manual of all the best sales development um, tasks and uh, uh, exercises that we can do. And one of the best ways to do this is to work with real cases. So here's a promise, and it's only for the boss community. If you've got a difficult sales behavior, if you've got, you know, we're not doing something that we should be doing, or we're not penetrating where we should be, or uh, in terms of our message or whatever, or um, we have, um, we're, we're struggling to articulate. I was saying, if you want to fix some time to talk me through it, I'll talk you through some ways that you can, um, you can address that internally with your sales You don't have to go out and hire a consultant or whatever. I'll talk you through that. There is no charge. Okay, all you've got to do is make sure we book it in enough time to fit it in around things. Um, and the only trade-off is that if we come up with something cool, something good, we're going to share it um, amongst us. So please think about your salespeople. Love them um, because um, you will rely on them and they will, feed, they will give you an awful lot back if they feel well-developed. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.